Boy, you have to feel like praying after that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what an awesome sight that would be if we could see you on your throne. Our breath would be taken away. Words would not be able to flow from our mouths. All that we could do was bow before our God, our King, our Lord. But also, Father, you have asked us to call you Father. And that is so humbling. Because, Father, that you are not a distant God. You are not so divine that you have forgotten us. And we thank you so much. We praise you, dear Lord, and bless you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to be back with you and to uh, see you again in God's house. And I'm really looking forward to what God may be doing with us this next hour and perhaps uh, in the days to come. You know, as human beings, all of us are constantly being bombarded by a barrage of tasks, duties, and responsibilities that we have to complete. For example, how many of you right now, I know you're looking at me, but you're thinking something else. And you're out there, some of you are thinking to yourself, how many hours do I have left in Sunday? And some of you are saying to yourself, oh, what do I have to do? Some of you are saying, i got to take my kids to tuition. And then some of you are saying to yourself, oh, I forgot about that assignment that's due tomorrow at school. I better go home and do that. Others of you are sitting there and you're saying to yourself that uh, I didn't check my investments this week. Oh, I better go home and do that. You know, I must, 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 especially with everything being so volatile. And then some of you are saying to yourself, oh, Monday, oh, Monday, I got to go in. I got to talk to my boss and he gave me this assignment and I'm supposed to come up with this marvelous program, this scheme. And he wants it on his desk by tomorrow. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. See, we're all pressed, aren't we? We're all pressed by these material, physical and natural things. Sometimes it seems like everything's a priority. Everything's a priority. There's nothing that's unimportant. Everything is important, right? That's the way it is with life in Singapore and life most anywhere else. Now, there's a danger in this. What's the danger? The danger is this, that these material, physical, and natural priorities and pursuit is that they can squeeze out what is really spiritually significant. You see? If I were to put it another way, the significant gives way to the insignificant. Isn't that true? That's true in all of our lives, is that somehow the insignificant rise above the significance, and then we wonder what is happening to us. And so that's why today we're going to look into this whole business of pursuing and, and looking to know God better. The importance of this was probably said much more eloquently by the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. And he said this, please listen or read it. I believe that the proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the intention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls 
his father. You know, Spurgeon had a gift for the understatement. (laughs) I mean, there was so much that's involved in that one little discourse that he gave, that he shared during one of his sermons. He puts right at the top of the list the top, the, the most significant thing that you and I can do on the face of this earth is to know God. And so, this is the introduction to a series of sermons that we call Behold Your God, where we will go into God's Word and see what God has revealed to us about Himself and how that makes a significant difference in our lives. Our prayer and hope is that this study will help all of us to know God, to fall in love with God, and to live for God. Okay? Very simple. This is not, this is not rocket science here, folks. But this is easy to digest and understand. The subject is not easy to understand. But the purpose is clear before us. And to begin, we need to answer a few basic questions to get us all on the same page. So if you have your bulletins, you might want to follow along. And the first question is, what does it mean to know God? What does it mean to know God? I'm sure that if we took a survey, if we went out and took a poll, and we said and asked you, what is it? What does it mean to you to know God? There would be all kinds of answers. There would be all kinds of answers. But let me approach it a little differently. And let me say from the beginning, this is what it is not. This is not what we're aiming for, okay? Knowing God is more than just merely having an awareness of God. Okay, it's more than just having an awareness of God. And so sometimes people say, well, what do you mean by that? For example, the demons know that God exists. They know there's God. James chapter two makes that very clear. The demons know the demons are ahead of many believers, if you will, about their knowledge of God. And so they it's more than just having an awareness of God. Oh, there's a God. It is more than just merely accumulating details, information, and facts about God. You know, many people have been going to church for a long time or even a short period of time. But it's amazing how much they know. They would, you say, do you know God? Oh, yeah. Wasn't he the one who did the Ten Commandments? Wasn't he the one that split the Red Sea? Wasn't he the one that made the, 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 the lame to walk and all this kind of thing? They know a lot. They know a lot of details. They know a lot of information. Okay? But is that all there is to knowing God? No. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's more than just merely having a religious experience with God. I call this a feel-good moment. Okay? The churches today are filled with people who are coming and they're looking for a feeling. They're looking for an experience. They want to be able to sit there and they say to themselves, oh, that song, oh, that that scripture reading, oh, that preaching, oh, this, that, and the other just made me feel so good. And people say, that's what knowing God is. No, knowing God is much more than that. If it's more than that, then what is it? What is it? May I be so bold as to put forth this, is that knowing God is more than just acknowledging God is real, more than just collecting more information about him, or even having an ecstatic experience. It comes down to being transformed to be more like him in every way. In other words, it's as if uh, we uh, become like God is, and we do as God does, you see. 
is so impactful that we begin to know God in that intimate way that we are literally changed. We are literally changed. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever met somebody of that caliber in your life? It could be a professor. It could be a teacher. It could be a neighbor. It could be someone who, who a caregiver to you when you were young. And they so impacted you that much of your thinking and much of your feelings and much of the way you go about things was shaped and formed by that person. You see? And so in the same way, to know God is to be changed by God, you see, and transformed to be more in his image. In fact, that's what Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says. When Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says this. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his God so that he would become the firstborn among many brethren. Make no mistake. Make no mistake, God knows God what he's doing. And God's plan is to make us more like him, to make us more like his son. And so that is what we are meaning by knowing God. Well, having dealt with that one, there's a second question that comes up. Because there are many people who are not fully convinced that we ought to even want to know God in this way. Or that we can even know God in this way. I mean, people will say to themselves, I can't know God. I mean, that is just uh, oh, such so big. It's, it's, it's such a big and challenging task. No one could possibly say they know God, you see. And so we say, let's just give up at the front end. Let's get back to the Jesus loves me messages. And, you know, let's get back to figuring out what we're going to have for lunch. You know, that's how people think, you see. But, but we need to press on. Because there, and we need to understand that in our pursuit to know God, there are some serious limitations we have to be aware of. Let's admit them at the front end, okay? Let's not try to gloss over them. Let's not try to make apologies for them, but rather let us confront them and acknowledge them. Like what? What would be a limitation? One limitation is the, the limitations of our mind. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58, Isaiah 55, Isaiah chapter 55, and starting with verse 8 and going to verse 9. This verse is very familiar to you, and it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see... Intellectually, our brain has limited capacity. And for us to try to understand God almost seems to be an exercise in futility. Why? Because the human brain, the human mind is finite, whereas God is infinite. You see, it's like the creature trying to understand the creator. All right. If I can put it that way. And so sometimes our mind just has problems coming around that idea. For example, when I was a young believer, I was coming to faith, and uh, I came from a, a church that really preached the gospel right from the get-go, and they preached the word of God strongly. And so they would talk about God, and they would talk about of, of him as being one who has no beginning, and he has no end. Well, you know, for a young person to understand, huh, no beginning and no end? Everybody has a beginning. Everybody has an end, you know? 
How can you be talking about a being that has no beginning and no end? It's almost like this message. There's a beginning and there's an end. I promise you, there's an end. All right? Okay? And so that's the way we think. And so when something comes into our life that speaks very differently, we have problems getting our head around it. You see? How about the times when they would talk about that God is perfect? He is holy in every way. There is no imperfection in him. See, our brains can't handle that because we say everybody has an imperfection. Everybody has a weakness. Everybody has something, right? And so when they come into our life and they say, I want to introduce you to God who is perfect in every way. Oh, can't get my head around that. I can't get my heart around that. You see? And so there are limitations in our minds as to how much we can comprehend. So let's get that out of the way. Yes, there are things about God that we cannot possibly process with our own brains, but only with his help. Well, there's the limitations caused by our sin nature, our sin nature. In other words, in our, we all have a sin nature. We have this disposition. We have this propensity. We have this leaning towards sin. Okay, we're all born with it and we have that existing in our life. Paul describes it this way in Romans chapter 7, verses 17, starting with verse 17. It sounds like a whole bunch of, you know, words all mixed up. But if you listen carefully and you read it carefully, you'll see what he means. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin, that sin nature, which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me. But the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it. But the sin or the sin nature which dwells in me. Every person comes into this world factory equipped with a sin nature. You see? And that sin nature keeps us separated from God. It's not our natural inclination to do what God wants us to do. It is not our natural inclination to want to do what God wants us to do, right? We want to do the opposite. (laughs) We have all kinds of evil desires and lusts. And this is our constant battle. And so this limitation, the sin nature that is in us, blocks us. It is an obstacle. It is a challenge that all of us have to overcome in desiring to know God. Knowing God is a daunting quest because of the limitations of our minds and limitations put on us by our very own sin nature. All right. But it's not to say that God cannot overcome those. We know he can and we know that he will and so if we want to seek God's help in overcoming those limitations. Well, those questions are important, okay? The first one was, what do we mean by knowing God? And then the second one was dealing with our limitations. So this brings us to the third question, where we want to spend most of our time. The third question is, why is it so important to know God? Why is it so cotton-picking important? I mean, shouldn't we be knowing other things much more important than that? Shouldn't we be knowing the tax code of Singapore? Shouldn't we be knowing this and should we be knowing that? You know, all of these kinds of things. 
There are no, there is no lack of competitors for things that we ought to know, right? There is no lack. But yet God comes forth and he says, knowing me is really, really important. Where do we get this? Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9, please. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And in this, God says, it is the most significant pursuit or quest of all. Above anything else, this is the most important. Look at Jeremiah chapter 9. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Did you get the point? He says that, Above everything we could achieve or anything that we can accumulate, he says, the most important is that we understand and know him. Let's run through a little exercise here, all right? Don't raise your hand. Don't stand up. Don't run out of here crying or anything like that, all right? Do a little exercise. What is the most, what is the thing that you are most proud of? What is the thing you are most proud of? What is it that means the most to you? What is your most crowning achievement? What is your most precious possession? Okay? Think about that for just a second. Okay? Now, whatever achievement you have attained or whatever you have accumulated, God says is not as important as knowing him. Whoa. Now, that takes a shift in thinking, doesn't it? It really, really does. Let me give you, uh, uh, how do we get in this position, okay? Let me give you an illustration. There's an illustration about a visitor who went to a farm, and he met the farmer. And the farmer said, you know, showing him around, and takes him to the barn. This is the side of the barn, okay? And so he had, apparently this farmer likes to shoot guns, and so he had a a side of the barn, he had... uh, his, uh, his uh, shots, they were, you know, the holes made by the bullets. And then he had a circle. He had the target drawn around it. And so the visitor was really amazed. He says, wow, you really must be a sharpshooter. All of your shots are right in the middle. Wow, you're so good, you know. And so the farmer just said, well, what I do is I shoot the gun and then I draw the target around it afterwards you see so if you do that you're going to hit the center all the time right you're always going to be a sharpshooter you're always going to be a success because you have decided where the bullets are going to go and you draw the target around it that's what we do in our life and so what we've established we said ah the things we've achieved, the degrees, the certificates, the upgrades, and all of that kind of stuff, the promotions, the possessions, all of those things. We say those are important, and then we draw the circle. We draw the target around it, and we say, see? See how successful I am? You see? Then God comes in, and God says, that's nothing. 
the main thing in life is to understand and know me. See? So, from God's viewpoint, everything that we have and everything we've achieved, while they are nice to have, they are not the most important thing. He says the most important thing for every human being is to understand and know him. It's important to know God because it's the most significant pursuit that we can ever be engaged in. So that's the first reason why we should, it's important to know God. But there's a second one, and that is, it's important to know God because it is a truthful quest. It is a truthful quest. Now, I have to point out, uh, I take full responsibility. I did a, a, uh, an error in the preparing the bulletin, and I put John 17, 1 to 3. It actually should be John 17, 17. John 17, 17. Now, what this means is that it's a truthful quest. We are assured that our quest to know God, uh, what he reveals uh, uh, will be truth. It will be truth, okay? And the truth that he will give us is about himself, about us, about life, about the present, and about the future, okay? Nothing that God reveals to us is going to be untrue. It's not going to be untrue. Well, how do you know that? If you turn to John seventeen seventeen. You see this great declaration from Jesus Christ when he says in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them in truth in the truth. Your word is truth. God doesn't hold back. God doesn't hold back. When we read something that God has revealed to us, we can be assured one hundred percent that it is the truth. Okay, God doesn't hold back. He doesn't try to to to. Uh, uh, cover things. He doesn't try to de- deceive us. He doesn't try to make things easier. For example, if you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we read these words. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, boy, does that hit you between the eyes or what? There's no mincing of words. There is no effort to comfort up and try to say things more nicely. This is the truth. This is how we live. You see? And so when God confronts us, and as we get to know him, we will begin to know more and more truths. Now, we may not like to hear the truth. We would much more, we would much more prefer people kind of just, you know, soft playing it. We all know it says, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Now, if I was writing the Bible and I wanted people to come to Christ and things like that, I would probably reword that and say, well, everybody tries. Some make it, some don't. You know, see, I'm being diplomatic. You know, I'm being soft. But that's not the truth. The truth is all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Okay? And so this will be a truthful quest. It will be seeking the truth and we will receive the truth. In this world that is filled with hypocrisy and half-truths, it is refreshing to know that there is a source of truth that is fully authentic and trustworthy. Sometimes hearing the truth is not pleasant, but it is the truth, and we do need to hear it. So why is it important to know God? 
Because when you know God, you will come to know the truth about him, about us, about life, about the future. You will come to know all of that. So it is the truthful quest. There's a third one. There's a third reason. Why is it important to know God? It's, it's important because it is a beneficial quest. It is a beneficial quest. If you look at Daniel chapter 11, it's struck with this truth that was found in the second half of this verse. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And what does it say? The people who know their God will display strength and take action. Now, I circled those two words, strength and action. You see, many a time we face the situations of life and we just don't have the get up and go to tackle it. We just don't know how we can bear up under this thing. And we don't know what, uh, what to do. Uh, we, we are just at a loss and things like that. But he says here that we will have the strength to take action. Those who know God. Those who truly know God will have the strength and help to, uh, to encourage. If you look at supporting passages such as Psalms 46, Psalms 46, we see this truth uh, brought out more clearly to us. Psalms 46 verses uh, 1 and 2. And it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, he says. What is he saying there? He's saying, if we know our God, that we will have the confidence and the strength to press on and deal with the problems that face us. Also, also. Not only is there strength and help and courage, but also Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 tells us that there was wisdom from coming to know God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. And it says here in that verse, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. You see, so much of what we need based upon the person of God. And if we will learn about him, we will be have access to those very things. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the spiritual insight for earthly situations. It is the ability to apply knowledge to life's situations. It is the ability to know what God wants and, and, and the knowledge to know how to apply it to the life situation that you are in. And so all of us here say, I need wisdom. I want wisdom. It comes from knowing God. Okay? This, follow the cookie crumbs. That's where it takes us. It takes us to knowing God. Now, let me share with you just a, a, a very recent e- example of this. Okay? Um, as you, some of you know, I went back to California to my brother had gone home to be with the Lord. And so I was helping minister to the family. And I, I got really involved in the details of the service and, you know, the whole thing. And probably more so than I, than I usually do. But it was family, so I, had to, uh, I was called upon to do it. And so what happens, I had the children there. I had my, the, uh, my brother's wife there. I had all kinds of these uh, in-laws and outlaws and everybody, okay? 
And they all had an opinion as to what would happen and how it would happen and so on and so forth. Some of them went even so far as to approach me privately on the side and say, you know, I think we ought to do this, you know, and so and so I would sit there and listen, you know, and my eyes got big and, and everything like that. My ears started to hurt, you know, and, and all kinds of things. And I says, oh, my, I am really going to have to have God's wisdom whenever I'm asked to, uh, my opinion or advice on a certain situation. And so I was on my knees praying. Every time I met with the family, I said, oh, Lord, please give me insight. Give me, you know, uh, uh, a wisdom as to how to do this and all this kind of stuff. Well, I'm happy to report God was very gracious, and we made it through. Nobody disowned anybody. Everybody got through, you know, and, and, and the family was comforted and I think pleased overall with everything that went on. But you see, you need wisdom. You need wisdom. You need wisdom. I need wisdom. We all need wisdom. And where does it come from? It comes from knowing God. See, that's where the wisdom comes from. And so as you move on then, we, we have, you, there's help and, cur- and courage and there's strength and then there's wisdom. There's come, there's one, there's another one. And that's grace and peace in our lives. Grace and peace in our lives will come from knowing God. If you look at, uh, first Peter, second uh, Peter chapter one, second Peter chapter one, uh, we will see this unfold to us. Second Peter chapter one, verses two and three. And it says this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you right now would say, yep, I'm there, Pastor. I need grace and I need peace and I need power in my life right now. There's some things that I am facing that are just huge. And that's what I need in my life. Where does it come from? It comes from knowing God. You see? So why is it so important to know God? Because it is a beneficial quest. It is a blessed quest. It is one that will give us the things that we need. And even sometimes the things we don't even think we need. It comes from knowing God. Now, there's one more. Uh, there's uh, those things that we want to uh, pay attention to. Now, it's also, let me leave you with one more uh, characteristic of this quest to know God. It is a challenging quest. It is a challenging quest. And if I left this out, I would really feel like I had shortchanged you. I would feel like I had not told you the, uh, enough uh, to uh, get started on this quest. So if you turn to Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11, Verses 36 through, um, 33 through 36. It says this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For he, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has given first given to him that it might be given paid back to him again. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. What is it about seeking God that makes it so challenging? First of all, it is unending. It is unending. Okay? For all eternity, we will continue to get to know God. You will never have to worry that you have reached a point where you know everything that there is to know about God. 
There's no degree given at the end. You pass, you fail on knowing God. I'm, thank God for that. All right. We are forever knowing about God. He is so deep. He is so rich. He is so wide. It is incredible. We cannot ever end our search. It is a revealing challenge also. If you look at Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. Now listen carefully. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. It says this. For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice. In other words, sacrifice for sin. And in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Now, what is, what is he trying to say? He said, more than all of your efforts to worship me. More than all the service which you offer as a service and a worship to the Lord. The one thing I want is I want you to know me. And that means that God is revealing himself to us. You see, sometimes I think God is more anxious to reveal himself to us than we want him to reveal ourselves. Don't really want to know that. Have you ever been in a conversation over a cup of coffee or tea or, you know, tea time, whatever? And you're sitting across from your friend, and your friend says, I have something to share with you. I said, okay, fire away. And your friend reveals something to you, and you say, thanks for sharing. You know, and under your breath, you're saying, I really didn't need to know that. I really didn't want to know that. You see? And, you know, sometimes we're like that with God. God says, I want desperately for you to know this about me and we say oh i rather you didn't share that with me god i would rather sit in my own ignorance you see but god is so willing he says knowing and having knowledge of me is a top of my priority he wants to us to know him One author put it this way. He wrote it very well. And he says, although we can never know God exhaustively, we can know him intimately. Let me repeat that. Although we can never know God exhaustively, we can know him intimately. You see, sometimes we give up too soon. We say to us, well, I can't know everything about God, so why even try? You know, there's no end to this thing. You see, God says, no. What I want you to know is what I want you to know. And God seems to take his time over this idea of revealing himself to us. He's in no rush. He allows us to savor and enjoy getting to know him. (laughs) And, you know, you know, we're we're in that I want it yesterday generation, right? We, we, you know, we want everything yesterday. We want it fast. We want it quick. We want it cheap. <laughs> you know, we're <laughs> that's our motto, so to speak. That's what we drone on, you know. about. And God comes back to us and he says, no, no, I'm going to reveal to you some things. But I'm going to reveal them to you slowly because I want you to savor them. I want you to reflect upon them. I want you to appreciate them. I was trying to think of a good example of this. I said, we're in Singapore. Food, of course. Food, of course, right? How many of us want to go to a fine dining place and we take our time with the meal so that we can savor every dish, every flavor before the next one comes, right? 
And we say that we pay boku bucks. We pay big bucks to have that experience, right? But then when we turn to God, we say, I want it fast. I want it cheap. I want it, you know, right away, you know. God says, no. Getting to know me is like a fine experience. And I want you to savor each moment of it. Another way to look at this, if God revealed everything about himself to us too quickly, you know what would happen? Our little brains would probably burn out. You see, our brains and our hearts would burn out. But God knowing us says, no, just learn this much for now. Just learn this much for now. And so God wants us to know him. It's a revealing challenge. Lastly, it is a demanding challenge. It's a demanding challenge. Well, where do you get that, Pastor? If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And it says in verse uh, 29 there, it says this. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, this is not some half-hearted effort, but it's a wholehearted effort to know God. We have to put some energy. We have to put invest some time into this thing. Why? Because God wants to see how serious we are about knowing him. You see, if things come to us too easily, we, we tend to just blow them off. We tend to say, oh, that was easy. (laughs) I know all I need to know. But God says, no, you're going to have to dig for this. You're going to have to work for this. And in your digging and in your working, I will know how serious you are, and you will know how serious you are about knowing me. And so all of this comes to bear when we think about this challenge, this challenging demand to know God. So... What's left for us is to ask ourselves one more question. And this is more personal. What can I do now to get ready to know God? Let me just suggest two simple things to you, okay? To help get your mind set on what is going to happen in the next few weeks. First of all, humbly pray to the Lord that he would give you an insatiable appetite to know him. Much like David had. If you turn to Psalms 42, verse 1. David expressed his feelings toward this whole idea of seeking God. Psalms 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. Now, the word pants, we don't use that. It's like, I hunger, I thirst, I just crave, I want this. You see, pray that God will give you that kind of appetite for him. In these coming weeks. And then number two. As God begins to answer your prayer. Take in every detail and act that he shows you. Trust. Learn to trust and love him even more. You see sometimes we just let things go by. You know like we. we the favorite. The famous saying. You know stop and smell the roses. You know some of us don't even know the roses were there. In the first place. We go so fast. You see. God is saying to us is that I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you. And when I do, take some time and appreciate it and learn to love me more. That's what he's trying to say. Okay? And so this becomes very important to us. Why? Because we're getting ready for a big challenge. Okay? The plans for the new building are coming together. Uh, Soon there will be a finalized plan that will be put before you, and there will be many town halls and meetings. But in the course of that, along the way, you'll be called upon to pray. You'll be called upon to pray. 
I don't know how actively you're praying now for the building program. I don't know how actively you pray, period. But you'll be challenged to pray and pray more than you're doing now. You'll be challenged along the way uh, to uh, consecrate and commit yourself to share in this project and in the grand effort of sharing the gospel with people all around us. You'll be called along, be called upon to make sacrifices. Okay, you'll be called upon to make sacrifices. Effie and I are already thinking about it. What is it that God would have us to do? You know, yeah, everybody has limited resources and so on and so forth. That's no excuse. God doesn't grade on the amount. He'll grade on, you know, what what your heart is when it comes time. But you will be challenged on those fronts. And it'll be important for you to know God. Because when you know God, then you will have the wisdom, you will have the strength, you'll have the courage, and you'll have all of these things that we talked about in order to fulfill what God wants you to do. So in conclusion, to to know God goes far beyond just awareness, information, and feelings. To know God means to have to accept our intellectual and spiritual limitations. To know God intimately is the greatest quest in life because it is significant, truthful, and beneficial, and it has its great challenges. So the question is, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the person next to you to elbow you and say, get going? And no, God, are you waiting for someone to come down from heaven and blast it over some kind of megaphone and say, get going and no, God? No. God often speaks in a small, still voice. And hopefully God has spoken to all of us today. The most significant pursuit, the most significant quest of all of our lives is to know God. Let's pray. Father, Take your word and seal it to our hearts. Make us different today than we were when we first came in. May our priorities be straight. We ask this in Jesus' name.